Hello, I'm Dana Brooks of Facing Brooks Law Offices, and you are back for another edition of the Empower Hour brought to you by the Empower Plan. Hello, everybody. It's Dana Brooks, and you are back with us for another exciting hour, the Empower Hour brought to you by the Empower Plant by Facing Brooks Law Offices. I am joined today with a very exciting guest. We've got Robin Hassler-Thompson, and she is the Executive Director of, help me, Drive, Drive, Yes, you got it. You got it. STAC. And you need to know about because they're on the front line trying to help do something about human trafficking in our community. And they're taking a really interesting approach by training other businesses about it. I'd never heard that before. You're seeing all those stickers when you go in a bathroom or you at a truck stop or a, or a rest stop or if you're in your doctor's offices, you're seeing all these placards all over the place about what to do if you are you know, feeling like you're stuck or you feel like you may be human trafficking or you know somebody who is. Um, but there's an additional training and they're a big part of it. And I want to hear from you and welcome you. Uh, thank you so much, Robin, for coming. Thank you, Dana. It's so exciting to be here and to see you and to, um, to to also say hi and thank you to our wonderful board member, yes. Keith Thomas, who's here. Um, but but really just so grateful to you all and to your firm for this time together. Oh, thank you. I appreciate your cards. Kia, you are a board member um, and you I think you got interested in this after putting together some some uh, PR efforts having to do with this in Jacksonville and in here. Tell us, first of all, welcome back, our PR director, uh, Kia Thomas. Welcome back and tell us about uh, what we've done from the firm and what you've helped us do uh, towards this problem. And then what made you so impassioned to serve on a board? Cause that's a huge commitment. Thank you. That it is, um, I love it. Um, I think just when we got attached, Robin and I, um, it was having to do, I believe it was Oasis first. Mm -hmm. um, we were doing that portion and, you know, our women and girls and seeing the attachment that one, it has on not just our community, um, but I would, I would have to say my community um, as well, being Black and of the Black culture. Um, we were finding that a lot of our girls and women were coming up missing, right? Um, so I think that was one of the things that kind of engaged me to do this from that aspect but because when you start like making it be that funnel like first it's women then it's children and children are always at our forefront right um and I think what I got with Robin she was so impassioned by it that I was like oh I have no choice but to be a part of this so when she asked me I was I was definitely like thrown back because I was like absolutely wherever you need me I'm here um, so, of course, we started the Girl Flow. We were helping with that. And we were also um, assisting with other things. And one of the biggest things that we are currently still working on is getting us certified as Stack Pro. And I will definitely let Robin jump into that. But those are some of the big initiatives that we currently have going on um, in regards to making sure that we recognize those different things. Like, for instance, the different methods that are used by traffickers. For instance, they will use certain things that they will, um, it's called the perfume method. Um, and there's several different methods where they kind of like leave things on your car or they put certain things on your car, like the zip tie method. They also have the lace tissue method. 
And you know, those are the things that we're trying to make sure that our community, because we always say it couldn't happen here, right? Because it's Tallahassee um, or it can't happen in my community, but these things are really happening very close to us. Um, so I think that that's one of the biggest things. And of course, having kids, being around kids all the time because I'm a coach. I think one of the biggest things that happened to me last year before I was asked to be a um, board member, and I know what's going on, we were at a cheer competition and we literally got an alert because you have to sign up as a parent and as a coach to get on these little you know, apps and what have you. Right before we pulled in, I think all the parents must have gotten the alert at the same time. And it was, hey, we just found out that cheer competitions have now become a huge trafficking, labor, sex thing. So you need to start keeping your kids closer. So my husband and I had to come up with a tactic like before even getting out the car. And at first he was like, all right, I'll be behind you and you be in front. And I was like, no, we got to get her from the side because we only had Kennedy. That's my 12 year old at the time. And I was like, if both of us are on the side, then at least we can reach and like keep her in here. You're coming up with all these tactics like right off the top of your dome. And you're sitting here like, why? Why would you do this at such an, an event that has our little girls, our little boys, you know, you have other kids with you, but now this particular program that is so amazing and I still have to finish mine. So I, I'm, I have to jump on there. I'm at the last part. Um, it tells you how to recognize these different methods and you become more aware of what to notice, what not to notice. Because most of the time, if you see a tissue on your car, you'll be like, let me just get it off, right? But it's laced, you've already put it in. It's now, you know, it's there, you sniffed it, and nine times out of 10, you're gonna pass out sooner or later, right? So (laughs) it's crazy. That was a whole mouthful, right? (laughs) My mind is blown by this. My mind is blown by this. I knew it had to be bigger than I thought it was when I started seeing so much awareness about it. I see it everywhere. So immediately I think to myself, it's gotta be more pervasive than I realize. Because my next question is, well, why do you, why do you need the support of businesses? I mean, I've got people, they all have a home to go to. Uh, you know, I make sure I pay a livable wage, that's great. Uh, why, what do I have to worry about? And then, uh, then we start learning, we have a personal injury law firm. We start talking to some people. And I even had one client one time, um, she came to me for something totally unrelated. It turned out she had been a stripper in the past. She was single mom, kids and she have to eat, does what she has to do. But that introduced her to a side of life that she had never expected. She, she was not raised kind of on the margin. She just fell on hard times and that's what she had to make some money with. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was like, oh no, there's people who are passed around, they're room for this, they're and this is where I'm like, what? You know, right in my town, my beautiful, you know, lovely home. So I, I can't wait to hear more from you. I want to hear from Denisha and introduce her and see what her questions are. But Robin, I'd really like to help, for you to help us understand how pervasive this is, what it looks like, because I think that's the thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like it does. Mm-hmm. And how, how businesses and how all of us can help. But first, welcome Denisha. She's our client care coordinator, and she talks to a lot of these clients. And she hears about them. She hears things that we don't hear that maybe they yep. won't share with us. But when you think of human trafficking, and you, mm-hmm. you live an hour away west, but right off I-10, just mm-hmm. like the rest of them. And, you know, what do you think of when you think of human trafficking? 
I want to know, is the human trafficking and sex trafficking, are those the same thing? Like, what is human trafficking? What is, what's the difference between the two? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so thanks again for all of this. And and really, when you think of human trafficking, sometimes people only think of sex trafficking. They don't even yeah. think about labor trafficking. Mm-hmm. And the law, the law makes a distinction. And basically, and you can think of it this way, it is the, um, the exploitation of one person um, by another for commercial gain or profit. And when I say exploitation, it's one of those things that is, it's not just exploitation. It has to have these elements of force or fraud or coercion because you can exploit mm-hmm. somebody and they can walk away and that right. won't be trafficking. But if they cannot walk away or if it's a minor, right? Because minors don't have you know agency and the ability to just, mm-hmm. just you know, say, make choices. So that's when you get into this idea that someone is being exploited and really um, one of the words that, that I learned last year that I really liked is they're being commodified. They're being treated yeah. as a commodity, a mm. piece of property for which someone else is using them for some kind of commercial gain or benefit. So, you know, I look at um, I, I look to see what's going on in our community on trafficking by looking at our caseload. And right now we have half the people on our caseload. Um, are labor trafficked, are victims of labor trafficking. And there was just a huge case right right across the Florida-Georgia border in, in Georgia called Operation Bloomin' Onion. And there were really dozens of migrant farm workers who were being labor trafficked. It's an horrific story of how they were uh, made vulnerable, how they were vulnerable, but then they were exploited and actually trafficked by this these um these farmers so when you think about it we often do think of of sex trafficking only um but it's both and and it's also both um uh children and adults for both of them um Mm -hmm. males females old and young you know toddlers have been trafficked um older women have been um trafficked in in uh, panhandling and one of the first cases i learned about was a big case up in New York where um, women, deaf uh, women from Mexico, older women were forced to pedal on the streets, these trinkets. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't bring home a hundred dollars a day, they were beaten. So, yeah. you know, the other piece we're seeing a lot of is understanding that a lot of gang activity is called, um, they, they refer to it, the forced labor as forced criminality. So if yeah. someone is forced to to be a drug mule or to shoplift, or again, that's another way someone is being commodified and forced because if they leave, they know harm can come to themselves, to a loved one, they could be deported, that threat and coercion Mm -hmm. is really what we see happening and people can't Mm -hmm. get out. So, um, So that's there. And then the other thing we're seeing now, and really it's coming to light because um, we're hearing from survivors themselves, is most of the time people are both sex and labor trafficked by the same Mm. trafficker. So you might see somebody who is sex trafficked and is also forced to clean the hotel rooms, right? Or you might see someone who's labor trafficked picking tomatoes by day and being raped by the crew boss at Mm. night, or the sex is being a condition of her work. So, Mm -hmm. um, or his, we Mm -hmm. also see a lot of misunder, you know, 
to your point, Dana, people think, oh, this only happens in Atlanta or in big cities or Jacksonville, you know, or Tampa, but it's right here in our community and it's in rural areas. And in fact, sometimes traffickers operate with impunity in our rural areas because they're often these fine upstanding members of the community um, and they don't, people don't see them as they, being they almost traffickers. Look like they almost look like they're sponsoring these people and they're almost esteemed for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. like giving them jobs. One of the biggest um, labor trafficking cases in our state was um, one out of Palatka where um, the Evans family farm was going around to homeless shelters, picking up mostly African-American men, um, a lot of veterans who had a substance use issue and um, promising them jobs and even promising them drugs in order to come and work for them. And they were discovered, to your point about businesses, let me tell you this, Dana, they were, and this is how this can just go in a lot of different directions, but they were discovered because the EPA went in and found that they were dumping um, waste into the St. John's River. And when the EPA walked on the grounds of that farm and saw the living conditions and what was going on, they said, something else is going on here. So they made the report. And I say that because, you know, it's important for the business community who are the eyes and ears on the ground, to understand when they see somebody walking into a convenience store. Um, we did training recently at Capital City Bank. What banks have to keep um, mindful of, because let's face it, traffickers need to move their money. Mm -hmm. And the Treasury, um, the Department of um, Treasury has sent out numerous bulletins to the bank saying, this is what how they use funnel accounts. And at Capital City Bank recently, when, when I did a training there, Within um, a day or two of doing one, the bank security officer called and says, we think we found a trafficker. We think we found a money laundering case. Mm. Please help me connect me with the um, Department of Law Enforcement, which I did. And they saw something on their end and didn't quite know what it was either. So businesses need to know because traffickers are going into their, into their places of business often. Wow. I've got so many questions. I want to ask. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. I want to ask you about nail techs. Mm -hmm. I have always suspected that there was something not kosher there, and then that leads to a discussion of consent and waivable rights. Um, just because you have rights doesn't mean you have to pursue them. But there are some things that we don't allow to be waived in our country as a civilized community and those are things like child labor working uh too many hours without being paid adequately not getting you know you can't just say okay uh, i want to undercut all those people that you would hire dana who you'd have to pay wage and hour laws and, and, and conform to that uh i'll work for half of that give me extra work whatever i can't do that because i would be exploiting people because i'm in a in a more powerful position than they are. That's why we have laws like that. But when I when I see things, and, and I think that culture goes into it too, because I think as, this is just my orientation as an American Southerner, I don't have close Asian friends. I know people who are Asian, but it's not like my black friends or my brown friends. I don't get close and I have a deep respect for their culture. It, in my mind is so different than mine, unlike my black and my Latin or brown friends, I feel like we got a lot of common because we're Southern, that kind of thing, a lot of things. But I respect their privacy, even though there's people have been in my life for years 
Okay, but it's still kind of a business relationship type thing. Everybody's friendly, everybody's cordial. But I'm thinking to myself, because I've asked sometimes, and I have some friends that I had met in another community I lived in, and they would be like, well, we all work together for this one man who sponsors us, and we work, you know, 12 hour days. We have one day off, we clean on that day, we all live in one house together. And then I'd say, oh, what happened to such and such? What happened to her? And they go, oh, she's, um, she's, she's now in Houston. She's going to have her baby there. I mean, it's, it was almost like I was watching this logistical transfer of human services that looked like it being, there was a hub of it being controlled by somebody not of the culture. And it seemed almost like they were, it was like an indentured servitude. Like I felt, now they never said this. This is just things that are going through my mind. That's making me go, are they paying off passage here? Are they paying for some sort of security or legal stuff? And I'm thinking just because, and, and that may be a deal that they've made with that person, a broker saying that may be completely legal, but the way they're paying it off is in illegal working conditions. So I've always thought about that because we think about things like, okay, I can see pimping. I know what pimping looks like. I know what drug running looks like, but other things that look very above board and everybody looks like they're not being explored everything's going well. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Is that even a thing? Well, there is. Massage, massage, I think, nail touch. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and I think one of the one of the pieces of this that you're getting to is that whenever there is any kind of vulnerability, and what you've described to me is a community that's isolated or people that are isolated, culturally isolated, um, separate from, um, in low wage or low skilled jobs it's that sort of ripe for exploitation or some sort of, of potential abuse. Now, I will tell you that in the trafficking world, Asian massage establishments are often seen as places where there is trafficking taking place, um, where there is exploitation taking place. And it may not rise to the level of trafficking. If you think about that, um, that case of the um, the New England Patriots owner yeah. several years ago, right? Yeah. So, so the things that drive me crazy about, about some of this is what happened in that case, which is law enforcement went in and said, human trafficking, human trafficking, human trafficking. They ended up arresting most of the women who could have been victims of trafficking. Um, nobody was charged with, I think one person was charged with trafficking and I don't know that they ever were convicted. That's, that was like a, a someone higher up the, the food chain, so to speak. And there wasn't, a, there, there wasn't the care and attention to support the victims at the time when that happened. That's what I've heard and read since. Also that because of their lack of power, when you talk about empowerment, the lack of power of the people working there um, is so great. I mean, just the power differential. So we don't know, and we haven't seen a lot of cases where there's been that sort of, you know, even those high profile cases where I was ready to see a whole range of human trafficking charges come out and none of that ever happened. So why that's probably another like two empower hours we could talk about it. But in that case, I really can't necessarily point the finger one way or another. What I see can is sort of a closed culture. What I feel like we need to do at Stack is to have better and more representation um, on our board, in our work of the Asian community, because, and that's on us, that's on us to reach out and to understand more what's going on and to make sure that anybody who needs help can get help. So um, I, you know, it can happen. What I've, what I've seen um, also is that there can be 
those, again, those power differentials. And there could also be legitimate businesses that get sort of sucked in and, and because the culture is such that it is. So, so it's kind of a longer conversation, um, but I think that it's something to look at. And certainly anybody who's in their salon should have agency. You know, the laws changed a few ways, requires signage up for everybody. Um, you know, I would love to get our Stack Pro training, what we've been talking about, into um, a lot of the businesses around town. So anybody who goes to a nail salon, hair salon, you know, all the people there should take this training. And it would really be a challenge to go out. I mean, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I go to some of these folks and I, and I get, um, get my nails or hair done. Um, have they taken the training? It's something to suggest and just bring it up. You know, tell we us saw, it, tell we us what saw, Stack Pro is. yeah, Stack Pro is something that the Leon County Commission um, funded last year and that the city is supporting this year. And what it is, it's a one hour training for all uh, workplaces of all kinds, for-profit, non-profit, and it will help you be able to understand and recognize human trafficking and how it affects your business. Um, one of the things we have when you go to stackpro.org, and um, and I'd love to post it, but I can't double I can't double task. But I just want to tell you stackpro.org, and I think Greg is going to post this for us on your page. Um, but what you'll what you'll see there at the very beginning is a video from Heidi Otway, who um, is a former chair of the Chamber of Commerce here locally. When she talks about how someone said to her, Heidi, um, he was a businessman, Heidi, I think human trafficking is going on in my establishment. And she said, I can't believe it. And then he told her about it. And it really was. And what, what that made her also think about was something I brought to her attention about a, a, a travel website that said, don't stay at this hotel because there's human trafficking around there. So there are all these things around, wait a minute, trafficking is going on on my premises. It could be a hotel. It could be a restaurant. And what Stack Pro will do is will help you if you're a bank, if you're a retail establishment of any kind, if you are a, um, a, a restaurant, a hotel, um, an office, a nonprofit office, it will help you be able to understand that trafficking can be taken place either with the public walking in or with the workforce that um, is being hired. I mean, I've gotten calls from the Department of Education, other state office buildings with people working late and saying, I think, I think the people who are cleaning our offices might be victims of trafficking, right? Or I got a call once from a convenience store um, operator who said, there's a guy just walked in here with a young girl, something's not right, something's not right. I don't know what to do, what should I do? And, and that's what Stack Pro will do. It will help all of those people who see something to understand, to recognize it, to understand things like, you know, you do not um, confront a trafficker or a victim in front of each other when you, that's completely dangerous. And, and, and believe me, a lot of people would say, I want to help. I want to help. What can I? So it, it will talk about that. It'll talk about protocols. Um, Dana, for, for those of us who are lawyers, you know, I know I hate going always to this um, idea that you can be sued, but frankly, you know what, you have a responsibility in your workplace to provide a safe workplace. And if you're hiring people who are either trafficked or who are coming in, we talk to our nonprofit partners. Sometimes there are people who are traffickers that are going to, you know, agencies where there's vulnerable people and they, they could actually have traffickers on their premises. So we're seeing how really what Stack Pro will do will help you to 
um, understand what's going on, just like any other um, law, regulation, or good idea to have a safer, more efficient, effective workplace, um, to make sure that the public and your own staff is safe. Like, do you know who's cleaning your office building? You know, we don't know, right? It could be, it's probably a third party contractor. Well, you, yeah, you know, but you know, I, well, I know who does, and that's Jamil, and I trust Jamil. <laughs> Okay, there you I, go. I vicariously know. <laughs> there you go. So, but you know, you do a lot of people, um, a lot of the abuses that take place is really can be among these third party um, labor yeah. contractors. Yeah. So, so this, the stackpro.org, again, it's just a little over an hour. It'll, it goes by so fast. It's chock a block with information. And really, um, the whole theme is understand it easily and what to do. I really want to empower people to have the knowledge to act to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I definitely want to get the training. Um, Keisha's going to make sure we get that and follow up with us on that. Um, let me get back to Denisha since she's explained to you what human trafficking is and it's not mm -hmm. just hooking, you know, it's a lot of things. Right. What are you thinking about now? Um, what's some ways to protect yourself? Cause I was, when I found out she was coming, I was, I just went online just to see what people was talking about. And I went on TikTok. And I was watching this guy, he was telling the story about his wife had ordered food from Uber Eats. And it said, um, and he was saying that, I guess to how they leave messages for instructions for them to do. And so he told her, you know, told her to come to this back alley and basically told her to come by herself. Well, he said, you know, she wasn't, you know, it was in their plans to go together anyway. So, you know, they didn't really think nothing of it. So he said, when they got there and pulled up, the guy got out the car and he was like, why do you have somebody with you? I told you to come by yourself. So do you think apps like that might attract tra um, traffickers to kind of, you know, for the for single women? Because, you know, women use it, don't want to go nowhere. They call and have, you know, get their food and stuff delivered. Do you think apps like that kind of can, they can sneak in that way? What's some ways that we can kind of detect and yeah. protect ourselves? And tell us what Keisha, uh, what Kia was talking about earlier. Like, what is this way that they mark people, and how do they recruit people, and what's yeah. the issue thing? What, what, what is, <clears throat> what's their mo? They obviously look for people who are looking like mm -hmm. they don't have a big support system and look like they're mm -hmm. really struggling. Because don't they usually come in like the best, greatest thing, superhero? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of um, they are mass. They are just so great at finding someone's vulnerability. So one of the things, and just to, and, and I know that Key and I, we've talked about this, one of the most um, powerful ways that uh, traffickers find, recruit, and groom people is on the internet. So, I, you know, I appreciate that there have been times where people are abducted or at that cheer conference that Kia mentioned earlier that, yes. you know, maybe there was somebody in the area and there was that kind of alert that went out. But I will tell you that the most at-risk time for youth in particular is when they are online, when they are on gaming apps. You know, some people don't think that, oh, they're playing a game with some, oh, my, my you know, my daughter's playing a game with somebody. That's where they start um, DMing. That's where they start um, making a relationship with somebody, Snapchat, on any of the WhatsApp, any of the social media apps. Um, traffickers lurk there and they find youth and that's where they often do something called sextortion. We had a program on this 
<clears throat> for our, our community training, it's up on our website now, they will literally um, start to, you know, talk to a young girl or boy. By the way, people don't understand that boys are sex trafficked as yes, well as are. girls. And that men are trafficked as well as women, that women are traffickers as well as men. It is an equal opportunity, um, victimization and, and crime. Um, but what we know with sextortion, what happens is a lot of these traffickers will, you know, say, oh, you're so pretty, you're so cute. Send me a, oh, you're gorgeous. Oh, give me a little skin, kind of, you know, do it. And then before you know it, they will use those photos and say, okay, now I got these, unless you do what I say now, you know, your church group is going to see this or your, your parents are going to see this. And what we also learned they can do is even with regular pictures online, they can take, you know, they can, they can superimpose somebody's face onto another body and say, I've got this now view because you gave me your picture. This is what I'm going to share. And that person hasn't even shared a nude or anything else. So that, and that goes to this idea that traffickers are coercing in order to control somebody. Um, that's why we never use pictures, for example, that have ropes or chains or things, because that's not the means of control that traffickers use. They are wily. They are manipulative. They meet the needs of people. And that's why I always tell people, too, if you're doing work to um, help feed someone, get them an education, um, uh, support them in their housing, you're doing anti-trafficking work because, y'all, if we don't do that as a society and as a community, the traffickers will, yeah. you know, so, so it's that. So to your point, Denisha, I think that, yeah, there's apps, social media, all electronic stuff. They are just a field day for traffickers to lure mm -hmm. people in and, and less these cases of abduction like that, more cases of somebody who knows the person who's a friend of a friend, who meets somebody and over time builds trust in a relationship and then and then the payback is is going to yeah. happen. It's it's like less abduction and more infiltration almost. Um you know we had a woman we were working with through the rethreaded organization mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. in Jacksonville that helped people who have uh, experienced human trafficking to you know get out and rehabilitate yeah. their lives. But one of the women, Kia remembers her, we met her and talked to her and she was found out because she, you know, kind of married early, had kids, you know, guy kind of didn't stick around. She's having to rebuild her life and, and, you know, take care of everything. So she does what everybody else does. She hustles. So she's working at Walmart graveyard shift. So mm -hmm. this guy's just walking through Walmart, looking for desperate women to start mm -hmm. a conversation with. And that's what he does. He just starts telling her how awesome she is and how pretty she is and how what a great hard worker she is to be taking care of those kids and you know and then next thing you know they're in love and mm -hmm. you know they're partying and everything's wonderful and then you know maybe sex with one of his friends and then next thing you know mm -hmm. by the time they were done she had like 11 partners a day mm -hmm. right that's that can't happen that's just that's that's not way to live but i mean my goodness yeah just think about that that's why i always tell young girls that i mentor i said when you start dating don't give up your pain <laughs> Don't don't let somebody know you're estranged from your father, especially. Mm -hmm. Don't let people know. Don't, yep. don't let people know your weak stuff, especially right off the bat. You know, don't oh, yeah. don't lead with that. Yeah. You know? So anyway, yeah. 
Kia, what are you thinking now? Because I know you're thinking about our friend and and what you've learned and and maybe tell us about some of the things you're excited about as a board member. Um, just I, I just know you're dialed into this, so let's hear from you. Well, we one of the biggest things that unfortunately I won't be able to participate in this year is the beer fest, and of course we participated last year um, as a law firm, but we are also participating in it this year um, with Stack. So we'll be there. I just won't be able to be there because we will be here with Girl Flow and we're hoping that there will not be any rain this weekend, right? Um, but those are one of the okay. biggest things that I'm excited about and all the different directions that we're going in from our social justice um, committee and the many things that they have going on into our PR um, part. Um, but we will definitely, I'm putting this out there for all of our great people that are going to the Beer Fest, make sure that if you do get there, and Robin, correct me if I'm wrong, um, if they can contribute that towards Stack. Um, if they, go right ahead, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you buy tickets, although I just heard today that the tickets are, they're sold out, like they may not have any more tickets, but if they oh. have any available, you just put Stack in your, um, the, you know, the, the code in, and then, then part of that goes to us, but you know, that drill and you know what, Kia, we also talked, we had a board meeting today. We talked about, uh, January, January is human trafficking awareness month. And, and, uh, that's something everybody should, should think about. It's, it's a great time for you to just beef up your own knowledge about this, participate and help people, um, and stand with survivors um, during that month in particular. And, you know, one of the things we hear all the time is, is really how survivors, they need everything that pretty much everybody else needs. So it could be that, you know, you support, you can support Stack and you can support a lot of our community partners that are also doing this work. So, um, so be in touch and be on the lookout. I'd say go to our website, uh, surviveandthriveadvocacy.org and sign up for our newsletter because you can then stay on top of everything. You can understand, you know, all the great resources that are in our community. Um, and, you know, you can be part of the solution here. Absolutely. And for anyone who received our March newsletter, and we will also be having it in our upcoming newsletter, we have that link that will be connected with SACPO as well. Um, but Robin, I wanted you to kind of go into details about I know a lot of people get a little confused in regards to if human trafficking is a crime that must involve some form of travel, transportation, or movement, you mm -hmm. know, across state or national borders. A lot of time when you were talking about earlier, how do you get involved? What should you do? But I know this is probably a caveat to that. Is this something that actually has to happen? Do they need to be moved? You know, that's a such a good question. Um, thank you for that. And, and part of that is too, people confuse smuggling and trafficking and the media does. And I, I've, you know, I've heard people in law enforcement confuse it. This was years ago. But the idea is that no, you do not need to cross a border or a, a line of any kind in order for there to be human trafficking. In fact, one of the big cases in our own area um, was a case of a mother, a parent, who trafficked her own daughter and didn't, oh. leave, didn't leave on uh, leave our county. And you know there there have been cases where parents have become drug addicted and have maybe sold themselves and then then just have no way out. They see so what they do is they offer or they are asked for their children. 
um, in, in sex trafficking cases. So those are cases where not even the county line is crossed, right? Um, because you just need that force, fraud, or coercion and that exploitation. Um, it can be hard to detect. These are highly, you know, clandestine, you know, hidden things that happen. You can you can drive by a field, you can go to a restaurant tonight, and you won't be able to tell if the person working there is being trafficked, right? So, um, so yeah, you don't need to have that border crossing. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about you know, the way trafficking victims come to our country is is over the border and et cetera. And talk to any law enforcement, they'll tell you most trafficking victims come into our airports. They have visas, maybe the visa expires, and that's when they start to become vulnerable. So there's a lot of misinformation. And I really, yeah, thank you for bringing up that because absolutely, that's just one of those things where people sometimes confuse the two. And and we do see, you know, a lot of vulnerability in our um, immigrant community and a lot of exploitation and harm that can happen. So it's a really good thing to mention, but you don't need one for the other. Yeah, trafficking is is not a crime against the border. Smuggling is, um, and but that's a totally different different thing. Absolutely. But let's talk about this though. Do you think the immigration policy has affected human trafficking, uh, I suspect that it would because people need to work and they wanna to get to this country and if they don't have a legal path, they'll come through whatever path they can get there. Mm -hmm. They're just looking for their break. Um, have you seen that be borne out in the numbers or is this just something I'm thinking? No, you know what, Dana, that's so smart. That's so right on because what people don't realize about this, this situation is that people are coming here to work and the harder it is, the more they will rely on traffickers to get them across the border. Mm -hmm. People think toughen those laws up and everything will be great. And actually it's a heyday for traffickers. That's what we've heard from advocates and people at the border because I think, and we saw this at the chamber conference where we last saw each other, is that immigration is the way, and this is another larger issue, that um, our workforce needs support. Our workforce yes. needs to be buttressed and built in and built up. Um, so the harder you make it, the more people will be desperate. They'll turn to traffickers. They'll turn to illegal means. So yeah. there needs to be some, yeah, there needs to be some sort of immigration reform. Um, that it's almost like you know, with legalization of drugs, when it's legalized, then, you know, then you don't need to buy it on the, you know, you don't need to buy it on the streets. You can go to right. Tallulah, right? Or whatever. So, um, yeah. All these great, I, I, really, I, I, I think it's, it's really a gateway to eat the bag of chips. <laughs> go okay? That's the gateway. Okay. It might make us fatter, it might make us lazy. <laughs> But it's not going to make us start trafficking drugs and, and right. shove it down the throats of children. It just right. has not been borne yeah. out. So these boogeyman things. But to me, I mean, we were over in this chamber. This, this is a whole conversation. We need to have somebody on to talk about mm -hmm. this. You don't want to be an employer anytime soon mm -hmm. because you can't get quality workers. And unfortunately, with the immigration policies we've had recently, there's a lot of good people who want to come here and want to work hard. And that first generation of worker is the mm -hmm. best it's like women you know you finally give them an opportunity they will run the world and they're so good they've been chomping at the bit for it and unfortunately these good people who could really change uh help a lot of new startup businesses grow 
that, mm -hmm. that would otherwise struggle because they're having to pay way too competitive wages for the available workers out there. It would make the available workers probably up their game because they got a little competition. And we're losing those people to menial jobs whenever it's a brain trust. It's a bunch of people mm -hmm. in, the, in the work ethic. You'll never see a better work ethic. Well, you know, and I, we're losing them for the worst of the worst. And I think, I think that kind of also shows, and you've just hit on it, is how the issues of human trafficking are, and you, you used the word infiltrate earlier, and I would just say they, they kind of permeate so many parts of our society from exactly what you're talking about to even the parent that I mentioned who trafficked her child, she got addicted to Oxy. So what was mm. going on there? So that social problem then triggered into her own addiction and then her trafficking uh, by, uh, you know, going into sex trafficking and then her. So these societal problems are all, all intertwined. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But they're not just societal problems. That's two examples of somebody's getting paid off of this. Yeah. The people who got everybody yeah. addicted to these drugs damn sure got paid. Well, and, and that's the thing. If you follow the money and that, you know, I, I gave the example of Capital City Bank the other day. I mean, earlier the other day, um, <laughs> 20 minutes ago. But um, but but you do have to follow the money on all this. That's what trafficking is about. It's about greed and exploitation and it's for profit or some kind of commercial gain or benefit. And if you think about that, that that sort of answers a lot of questions about who, tra who is trafficked, the most vulnerable, the people who do need jobs, they need to, um, you know, they want to work hard, they want to be paid fairly, et cetera, but they don't see a way of doing that either in their home country. They don't, they don't have it. They don't have opportunities at home and they don't see a lawful path here, but this is right. the Holy grail. Uh, right. So they get here. And when they do, instead of uh, them having a lawful path and helping the people who really need good uh, workers, they're going to be consumed by this, you know, subculture, this, this underbelly. If we don't get woke and get, get really mm -hmm. serious about rooting this out and speaking of greedy people mm -hmm. and following the money, um, trial lawyers, I've heard there's they're all finding ways for us to make money doing this. And you get a bunch of trial lawyers into something that they can make money off of, it'll put an end to this. We will kill an industry. Yeah. I will tell you this. I'm, and I'm, being I, half, I'm being half silly, but yes, talk about it. Because Mike Papantonio I, and some people over in Pensacola are finding a way to get all of us trial lawyers ginned up about this. Well, and I, I think it, it, it is, what is it? Carrot or stick that's going to change human behavior, right? So the Trafficking Victims Protection Act that passed in the 90s provides a civil right of action for trafficking victims and it applies it and it also um, uh, has attorney's fees attached to it right mm -hmm. um, trafficking victims are victims of crimes but they're also victims of a variety of civil wrongs we yeah. have um, you know we have provisions in our state laws and any other tort law any other kind yeah. of personal intentional torts you can get you can get punitive damages you know nominative damages. Mm -hmm. False yeah. imprisonment, all those batteries. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, the American Bar Association, I've worked with them. I've worked with others just to try to bring it to the attention of civil civil lawyers as well, because we often only think of this in the criminal context. Yeah. So what is happening now, I think they're mostly hotel cases where hotels have literally turned a blind eye toward trafficking mm -hmm. going on on their premises, right? So that's, and actually there's a law that passed that requires everybody in hotels and lodging establishments to 
train their um, front desk staff and housekeeping staff, which I think is only, you know, it's inching toward everybody needs to be trained. So it really should, everybody should be trained to be able to recognize it and also understand that housekeeping staff are not there just to see people who are being sex trafficked in a hotel, but also they themselves might be trafficked. That's the right. thing. I mean, we got to train the sex trafficked people to find other sex trafficked people. I mean, our work trafficked people, because a lot of those people are, you know, they're being mm -hmm. exploited just like anybody else. Um, that's why I say, where's the money? Because you, I mean, mm -hmm. there's money to go after fine, but you know, a lot of those places, you know, they're not sitting on a bunch of money. These are very seedy establishments, don't have big insurance policies. Um, you know, who knows? But yeah. if there's a way, if there's a cause of action to do this, you can have a, you know, army of lawyers coming after it. And that's what you got to do. You got to think outside the box. My, Mike Papantonio, Levin Papantonio firm, technically a, a you know, colleague, but they're over from where I'm from, Pensacola. And th they got serious about this, man. They got one of their partners who's just dedicated to this. She's like, okay, let's find a way for their people to make a living doing this. And you'll have this problem taken care of. It's just finding the ways to sue. But, but we need somebody to lead it and need somebody to get everybody turned on about it. You're doing that with the training, the business people locally. We need the lawyers to get ramped up. The ABA will lead that. The FJA will get behind it. Florida Justice Association. Yes. We make some real change. Well, and I, I think that's absolutely right. And, and you know what? There are the laws there. And I will tell you, there's just so many cases of where, you know, it, and I will go back to from the survivor's perspective to realize that how do they get a cup of justice? And actually, I say cup of justice because that's the name of a webinar on our website now about restitution and a lived experience of expert who was trafficked when he was younger. Um, his trafficker was arrested when he was trafficking another young man at the Olympics and when they were in London. He talks on our webinar about how um, in order to get restitution for the crimes committed against him, which were brought by a federal, um, a federal in, in the federal courts, also civil actions were filed. He himself found property that that trafficker owned, um, that trafficker trafficked many other boys. He mm -hmm. was able to help find the ways that they could get restored, in other words. So absolutely. And in that case, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a hotel, it wasn't a business premises, it was an individual. But um, something that is so vital restitution we don't even think about it but it means that that person as an adult now can access you know the counseling the support the parts that he can help restore the life that was literally taken from him when he was younger so yeah. i think lawyers are absolutely critical to this mm -hmm. and um they can make a huge difference i was sitting at an aba conference once dana where um there was a man who a lawyer who was um helping on a civil action they got i don't know it was like a three hundred thousand dollar verdict against a sony executive i think it was and sitting at that table was also a prosecutor and the prosecutor said oh wow you did oh maybe we should bring the criminal case against this guy now like the civil lawyers read, led the way. And, mm. and that was really so instructive to see. I actually saw it played out, you know. Well, um, remember civil lawyers like us, we are the people's prosecutor. We, we look out for people on the civil side. It's no different than putting bad guys away. We're going to get what the other people <laughs> get from you that they weren't entitled to. That's all in the world it is. 
And, and you know what? It's everybody too. I mean, we absolutely need law enforcement and they're they could be maxed out on resources. They can't do everything. Even when there's a restitution award in a criminal case, civil lawyers need to help enforce that, you know, get it converted to a civil judgment and enforce it. So I would say to everybody who's watching, who's a lawyer, there's, I, I challenge you to find an area of, of your practice that you cannot help someone with on this issue. I mean, everybody, bankruptcy, taxation, family law, you know, one of my, yeah. the first cases, yeah. like, yeah. What, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it's, it's definitely all there. And the thing about what Stack Pro does, just to go back to that for a second, it's going to give your, you know, and it's something too to share with your clients. One firm said, I'm going to put this out to all my business clients. I want them to take it. Um, I want them to have a safe workplace. I don't want them to get sued. I want them to understand what's going on in their banks or in their convenience store or in their retail establishment or in their office. Um, they might be doing labor law. You know, there's all kinds of ways. So, um, so yeah, there's, it's really getting the word out. And the more people understand about it, the more they'll know how they can help and how they can prevent it from even happening. Yeah. Well, I want to go around to our panel members one more time. I want to start with Kia because Kia, um, you and I are now going to do a Stack Pro business challenge. After we get, after we get Stack Pro trained, we're going to shout out hashtag shame all other business that businesses that we can get involved in and make them go get this training. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. So Robin, I want to definitely thank you for that. Um, and, and trust me, Dana and I will be on top of this. Um, we will be adding that into our many things that we have going on, but this is a great thing. I have one question. This came in from my dad, Oscar Johnson, the third, thank you for watching. So you know how with domestic violence, there's gestures that you can give people to let them know, hey, I'm in a domestic violence situation, right? So his question was, or is, what are some of the gestures that victims can use to notify us that they are being trafficked, trafficked yeah. exploited, yeah. held without their consent, so we can recognize the gestures and hopefully be able to help or alert law enforcement without fully getting involved as you suggested earlier. Kind of like, yeah. kind of like they do to the bartenders, like the angel right. of the bartender, order a certain kind of drink, that's an indication that you need a certain kind of help. Or, right. or yeah. like there aren't, so, you know, one of the things that this training does actually is it'll give you a list of things that you might observe that somebody is doing. Like if they're, um, you know, if, if they're working long hours, if they're stealing food because they don't have access to food, if they are working while they're injured, if they're, you know, there's things that you can observe in the workplace. There isn't something like, I know that the, one of the things that like when you hold your fist like this with your thumb inside, mm -hmm. that um, there was a case where a young girl was doing that and somebody saw her on the highway and said, oh, this is like a um, a sign language sign, or it's been, it's interpreted to mean I, I need help. Um, and they called the police that was, um, related to an abduction. Now that could be a trafficking abduction. It could be a, um, a child abduction by, um, an estranged parent. It could be, it could be any number of ways, but that's a sign of I need, need help. I'm being abducted. So sometimes people think of that when it comes to trafficking, but there's not so much a signal because if you think about it, and we found this at the beginning of the pandemic, 
Two of the cases we found right away that called us were domestic violence victims who were now being forced by their abusive partners um, into sex trafficking, right? So that's another thing to realize. Somebody could have multiple victimizations. So that's not somebody who's who's only being sex trafficked. There's obviously other forms of abuse taking place. So it's a more complex issue. So so no, I don't know of any sign like that. Excuse me. <clears throat> Thank you. Denisha, what about you as we wrap up today? You learn a lot? I want to know what cities or states have a high rate of human trafficking. Where do we need to stay away from? Well, Florida <laughs> is third in the nation. Tell her wow. how high we are right here in little old Tallahassee. Isn't that, uh, aren't we overrepresented for that here? You know, um, and this is, oh gosh, we don't have a lot of time. So I'll just tell you, it's so hard to count trafficking cases because even the biggest case that took place here, the Melchor Monsalvi case, human trafficking was not charged. They mm. put those defendants away. And why? Because trafficking is a crime of so many crimes, Dana. So like Harder you might have money laundering, you might have, you know, failure to pay tax, you might have all these administrative things. Then you have a whole range of violent offenses, you know, the, the, the kidnapping, as you just described them earlier, you know, the assault, the aggravated assault, the sexual battery, all those things, traffickers can be charged with that. So what the Human Rights Center at Florida State has been trying to do, and, and I've been working with them for, for years, is to have something on every UCR report, every crime report, that if it's trafficking involved, you put an X on it. So, mm -hmm. you know, it might be trafficking involved money laundering. It might be a trafficking involved identity theft. It might be, so that way we could count because right now that third in the nation status that Florida has it's related to the calls to the National Human Trafficking Hotline, which I would be totally remiss if I didn't mention, 888-373-7888. Um, um, so 888-3737-888. Um, I can't double task and post it, but it should. everybody should know that there's a National Human Trafficking Hotline. We get the third highest number of calls in the nation. Wow. Into Protect Florida. That's how we count. California before us. I mean, is it just Texas and California? Just go right across I 10, you'll find, you know, it's Texas and then California is number one. Wow. So we don't know, and it's very frustrating, Denisha, mm -hmm. but I, you know, the best I can do is talk to our, our clients. I, we know that there are more cases than we are seeing. Mm -hmm. um, and we know Florida's number three in those calls. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, Robin, I appreciate you being with us here today. You know, this is just another one of those things when there is a social problem or something terrible going on in the world, it's usually going to overly affect women, children, LGBTQ people. And that's why I try to be mindful of things from that perspective and try to help people who need the help a little bit extra, a little bit more. Uh, this is certainly one of those things. Um, like you said, it doesn't mean it's all a bunch of old white guys who are doing this. Mm -hmm. It's not. It takes many forms and it could be from a person's peer group. Um, mm -hmm. You know, gangs are there because people are looking for a home. They're looking for mm -hmm. inclusion and support and a, and a structure to their lives. And people will do whatever they feel like they have to do to maintain that once it becomes something so important to them in their lives. It could be your livelihood. It could be your ability to take care of your kids. So yeah, I'm going to work 14 hours for this asshole. Or it could be, you know, I've fallen in love with them and I guess this is mm -hmm. what you do. I right. Guess, you know, I need to do what he says. He's the man. And, or, you know, it could, it could be so many forms. So first of all, don't think you know everything about it. 
I don't think you know all the people who could be subjected to it could be anybody. Anybody who gets sideways with a core support system and finds themselves vulnerable, to, mm -hmm. doesn't matter what their background was. I mean, this is not all a bunch of uh, people that nobody was missing and nobody cared about. Um, and even if it is, that's bad, but it's everybody. You know, nobody, if you're vulnerable ever in your life, you're vulnerable to being exploited for it. Um, there's mm -hmm. bad people everywhere. Um, but thank you for bringing light to this. Thank you for the fight that you are leading in this. Thanks for thinking outside the box and getting people like Kia and me excited about it and getting us turned on to motivate oh, other businesses. Thank you. So, um, I'm glad I'm glad there's a voice. We're trying to be one too, but we uh, take our leadership from people like you. You're too kind. Thank you so much for all you're doing. And the only way we do this work is in partnership and in collaboration. I always say it takes a village, right? At least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. But I want to, I want to thank, uh, thank you, Robin Hassler Thompson, uh, um, Executive Director of Stack. One more time. Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center. Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center. I'm going to call that Stack. Uh, and our <laughs> crew, my, my crew of the, the um, the A team, and that's uh, Kia Thomas, our PR director, and Denisha Hill, our director of client care. So thank you guys for making time for us this week again. And uh, as always, we deliver, man. We give you some guests with some information. I hope your uh, week goes well. I hope you learned something today. Reach out to us. We're going to post that number and those contact uh, pieces. So if you're worried about this, you want to get some training on it, you just want to pass this information on. We're going to make it available. So thank you for watching another exciting episode of the Empower Hour brought to you by the Empower Plan. And we will see you again this time next Thursday, 4.30 for another Facebook Live Fantastic Empower Hour. See you guys then.